when you are speaking life and love and truth into people, there's never, I I have no problem. I would stand with anyone toe to toe. Let's go. When I say you have a strong purpose in your life. Now I can kind of help you kind of figure it out based on what I've tried to do in my life, but that I do know. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. Hi, writers. On today's episode of the Find Your Voice podcast, I talk with Kim Gravel, a TV personality, QVC host, hugely successful entrepreneur and business badass who has built a multi-million dollar industry from scratch. And, oh, by the way, side note, she's also a former beauty queen and pageant winner, including a former Miss Georgia. In fact, one of the youngest Miss Georgias on record. And as you're about to see, Kim is also so much more. I first connected with Kim because she's working on a book and she needed someone to help her get the exact right words on paper. We talk a little bit about this on today's episode and especially about what makes writing a book so challenging and terrifying, even for someone who is accomplished as Kim is. But I love that you get to hear from Kim directly because you are going to see as quickly as I did what an incredible example she is of a woman who has earned every single piece of wisdom she's going to share with you today. She's one of the most accomplished women I know, but her life didn't always look this way. In fact, on today's episode, I'll talk to Kim about how she's found her success and found it as quickly as she did. She's going to share with you her key tips on fearlessness in the face of great obstacles. She's going to talk about finding your great purpose in the world and about how, contrary to popular advice, hustle is not the way to achieve your dreams. To find out what to do instead, listen in on today's episode. All right, let's get started. Hello, hello, Kim Gravel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I've been excited about this one. I love it. I'm so excited. Well, I want to start off by asking you the question we ask everyone at the beginning of these interviews, which is, what does it mean to you to find your voice? Hmm, that's a good question. I think what it means is being able, for me personally, to accept myself and really not caring what anybody else thinks about it, and then having the courage to say what I mean to say and to be me. It's it's a lot of courage to be yourself. And so for me, finding your voice is having that courage to step out and, and be yourself. And it sounds kind of cliche, but it's very rare to find today. It is. I agree with you, but I think one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk to you is that you embody that in the world in so many different ways. And I think, you know, we can think of finding your voice as either like I think sometimes people hear that phrase and they think of it as like their singing voice or their speaking voice or even speaking up for themselves. And I think that 
is part of it for sure, but it's also just an embodiment of being exactly who you are in the world and being unapologetic about what you want to do and what you want to try and your what you want to achieve and not holding back. And I I just have watched you, you know, only in the short time that we've known each other from a distance, watched you accomplish that in the world. And you know, it's a it's an incredible inspiration to me and I think to everyone else who watches you. So well thank you. And I think we get so hung up on what everybody else thinks. And I have two young preteen boys and I can see them going into that is it cool? Are my friends accepting it? You know, yada, yada, yada. And the funny thing is, is that really no one else is, as my dad would say, studying you. Yeah. You think that everybody is sitting there, look at you and, oh, you're not cool. You're not cool. Well, everybody else is thinking the same thing. <laughs> so There's no leader, you know, where's yeah. the leader, you know? And so when you really get that, nobody really is thinking about if we fit in or cool or we, what, whatever, fill in the blank that is for each individual. It's, it's freeing. It's so freeing. And people follow that. You want to be followed and liked and respected? Do that. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from for you? Because I mean, I know you have a long list of professional accomplishments, but from what I can tell, it seems like this has been kind of a, a thing that's been inside of you since you were really young, like a little bit of bravado or I don't know what you would call it, but just kind of like a, um, I don't know. I don't know what the word is for it, but I remember I felt it the first time I met you. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want a little bit of the fearlessness that this woman has. She just knows that she knows she can do whatever she puts her mind to. So do you, can you pinpoint where that came from or when it started in your life? Yeah, I think I can. You know, ignorance is bliss. So a lot of time (laughs) it's not knowing and just just doing it anyway is is a lot of it. It's kind of it's faith. You just step out and you just take that leap and see where it leads. But I think for me, I was very blessed to have two parents who were fearless in their own right. Meaning they married very young. My mom was nineteen. My dad was twenty one. They were, you know, tobacco farmer daughter and a Southern Baptist preacher son, and they married. And they knew they wanted to get out of that small town in South Carolina. So they packed their bags, they moved, bought a trailer home, mobile home, and started their life in a different city, different town, doing different things than what was expected of them. So I don't think my parents sat there and taught me, be fearless, be fearless. They just were. So I think my sister and I have always watched them do in their generation, in their time, things that would scare the pants off of you (laughs) watching them doing it, which seems like it was with ease, by the way. Do you know what I'm saying? Talking to them now when they're in their seventies, like, Oh Lord, honey, we didn't even know how we were going to eat. I mean, like they would just feel, you know, now looking back, I know they were scared to death, but they just did it. And so I think that was modeled, but I think today it's even harder to be what I call ballsy in this world because we live in such a fear-based environment. Yeah. Social media makes you fearful. The media makes you fearful. Medically, you're fearful all the time. What if you got this? If you got, I mean, you can Google anything and be your own doctor. (laughs) Every symptom I Google, I find out I have cancer. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, you know, again, ignorance is bliss. I've known people a long time. My grandmother was like in her nineties and had high blood pressure her whole life. Never took a pill. You know what I'm saying? But she didn't know she had it, you know? And I'm not saying live that way. But I am saying you can't let 
circumstances control you. And it's hard because last year was really hard for me. There was a circumstance that hit me right between the eyes where I had to either stand and do the right thing, not only for me, but for my customers, for our business, and even from the big, huge person that was coming for me, it was best for them too, that Mm -hmm. I stood up. But I'm to the point that I just know in faith, nine times out of 10, our fears never come to pass. Allie, they never happen. Yeah, yeah. And if they do, bad things have happened to me and I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think better for it too. I remember you Mm. telling me that story of just the challenging thing you're talking about that happened this past year. Yeah. And it's very memorable to me because I just remember you talking about how you just made the decision that you weren't going to let this person win. And also mm-hmm. that nobody in the world is smarter than you. I remember so so you saying yeah, that. Nobody's more smarter than any of us. Not <laughs> God knows I'm not book smart. You know, drop me in a jungle somewhere. I'll probably make it. But I'm just saying that we always go into this thing thinking, oh, these people are so smart. They graduated from Harvard yeah. they're doing this or they're billionaires or they're, you know, famous or what fill in the blank, whatever that thing we look up to in our lives is. And they never are. Yeah. They never are. I just had an experience that really was huge. I went to LA, had massive meetings with really strong decision makers. And I sat in there and thought, oh my gosh, I could add value to this company. Mm. Now they're smart because they see it. <laughs> so you yeah. know, not everybody <laughs> smart sees that. But you know, you've got to go find people that they don't think they're superior or smarter. They're like, what is your contribution? Mm. See, that's the key. That's the key is finding people that are as smart as you are because they're not smarter. (laughs) So how have you gone about doing, because I think a huge part of finding your voice, when we talk about that, I think one of the things we mean is finding my way in the world or finding my purpose or finding my contribution. So how have you found that? feels like you've really hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, what you're here to to yeah. contribute. And that's, it spans a wide, a wide range of things I know for you. But if there's someone listening, who's like, I don't even know what, you know, I mean, I go to my job every day and I come home and I make dinner for my family and I, mm-hmm. I'm going through the which motions, is, but I don't really know what I'm here for. Which is important. Yeah, that's sure. Very important. I do that too. So that's very yeah. important. <laughs> and it's totally, you know, exhausting, but it's very important. This is the thing about purpose. I've read so many books on it. I've heard so many people speak about it. I truly believe everyone has one. Everyone says that I talk to, they don't know what theirs is, but I beg to differ. My purpose is edifying, encouraging, and building up people. Hmm. I think what we get hung up on is how we do it. There's the problem. Yeah, sure. A lot of people think their purpose is what they're doing. Mm. So you can build up and encourage people and do many, do it many different ways. So when I figured out, okay, hold up now, I don't have to have my niche. I don't have to have my thing that I do, my occupation, my career. It can look a lot of different ways. So when I did that, I said, oh, well, I can do TV and write books and have brands and coach people and, you know, teach a Sunday school class and talk to my neighbor for two hours that's going through a hard time. You know, whatever that is, it's still building up and edifying people. We got to get off of the fact of how we're doing it and just do it. Hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? 
Like I, I want to be an influencer, this big influencer thing, which I think is fantastic because I'm loving seeing these women out there doing the thing, making a living, mm-hmm. doing their thing. I love that. But now everybody wants to be a social media influencer. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to do it the same way everybody's doing it. Does that make sense? They're caught up in how and what they're doing instead of do, instead of just being and living in their purpose. I hope that makes sense. It makes tons of sense. And I think what happens when you attach your purpose to a thing you do is then when that external thing gets shaken for some reason, it will. your job mm-hmm. or yeah, over time, it's bound to happen. Then you think you've lost your purpose when just like you're talking about, you know, I mean, I think of the jobs I've had over the years and how they've led me to where I am to a place where I can say 90% of the time, I really, really, really love the work I do. So that's wonderful. But I've also worked at Starbucks and I've waited tables and I've been a bartender and I've, you know, I've done all the things. And a lot of the same qualities that I bring to my job today were qualities that I learned in those other jobs or that I practiced in those other jobs or brought to those other jobs. So to synthesize what you're saying, it's a matter of being able to bring your purpose to any environment, no matter where you are. And nine times out of 10, the environments and the opportunities unfold. So many times we're chasing the opportunity. I don't believe you can, this hustle environment that we're in now, you got to hustle. You got That's good. I think it really does a lot of people good, but I think it gets a lot of people confused and it gets a lot of people off track. Hustle to me, when you say that working hard and working smart, sure. But I'm not so sure we're trying to run game on life. Okay. Yeah. And when I think of hustle, I'm thinking of a side street with people throwing dice at the wall. <laughs> okay. So for me, that word is not, it's kind of, it's kind of shady. You know, it's kind of seedy. Let's talk about yeah. living our purpose and doing really great things, but don't chase the opportunity. I know that sounds crazy and it's totally backwards from what you hear. But for me, opportunities have come to me as I prepare, as I walk through the doors, you know. I'd love to have you unpack that a little bit too, because I really do think when I think of you, I think of you as such a hard worker and you've really worked to build this, you know, what you've built is really incredible and something that I admire and I know so many other people admire. So you know, I'm even picturing like the story you talked about from last year. I remember when you were telling me about it as we were working on your book, you talked about you and your assistant, like reading legal briefs and for hours and hours and hours and like highlighting all these different things. And I'm just like, you're not afraid to sit there for a 12 hour day reading legal briefs, but how is that different than a hustle? Hustle is this thing where you're saying, I'm going to go make an opportunity happen. You can do that. I'm not saying you can't do that. People do it all the time. There are people that have, you know, million dollar businesses creating their opportunities. Hmm. I also know a lot of those same people are very unfulfilled once they create it. Because when Hmm. we create it, we're very limited. Okay. Nine times out of 10, what everybody listening to this podcast is dreaming of is way too small. So when you go and try to chase an opportunity that is the be all end all, when that happens, it's not as fulfilling. 
when you allow, when you prepare and walk through the doors that open, and, and that's a whole nother book right there because you've got to be able to open your eyes and be a seer and see the doors that are opening. And the doors that are opening might be your volunteering as a janitor at uh, XYZ company. I mean, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be able to notice opportunity when it's coming to you, not chasing what you've seen on Instagram. That is what's frustrating to me. Like a lot of people said, oh, this person's done this, this person's done this. this person. I'm going to go recreate that for myself. Yeah. Now, what is God or your opportunity opening up for you? Because I'm telling you, they do, every single person on the planet, I've talked to people and they're just like, well, I've only gotten this and this. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't, you didn't work that thing. Hmm. You tried to hustle for something bigger and better when it was your path to work that thing so that, that he could give you the next thing. Yeah. That, that's where my business partner, Amy and I, people look at us and go, really? Because <laughs> we're so the two most unlikely middle-aged <laughs> middle America women out there, you know, sitting <laughs> in these meetings with these CEOs and really going, how in the heck did we get here? Yeah. But we're so prepared that when we got that opportunity just last Wednesday, okay, because opportunity came to us. I didn't ask. I didn't beg. I sent nobody an email. I didn't say, please, oh, please, CEO of this big old television company, call me. I didn't do any of that. When it came to me, I was prepared. Yeah. So I went in. I never forget it, Allie. I said, you'll appreciate this. I, there was four or five people in there, the CEO and this head of this and SVP of this. You know me. I, I'm just, I am what I am. You can SVP me to death. I don't mean you're smart. <laughs> yeah. So I sat in there and I said, look, if nothing comes to this, I just want you, y'all are great. Y'all are the smartest people I've ever met in this industry. We'll talk to y'all later. I got up and they're like, whoa, hold up. Where are you going? <laughs> because I'm so, I, if it's not for me, I don't want it. Yeah. And trust me, the things that you think you want when you get, you're disappointed. So don't hustle for things you think you won't because nine times out of 10 is something bigger than you even think. Yeah. And I know that seems simple and country and you can say what you want to about me. I don't give a rip. I'm right. And nine times out of 10, <laughs> I talk to people. They look at me like I've got four eyes and three breasts. <laughs> and then five years later, they're calling me going, I just happened to me today. Yeah. Just happened to me today. And you call me go, Kim, you know, you were so right. Remember when you said such and so? Hmm. And, you know, so it's truth. It's, it's, I call it God's economy. It's truth. This is how it works. It, it's really simple, but it is, it's a lot of work, but it's simple, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. That, it feels like a good time to talk about how just this way that you have of speaking the truth in a really simple way, unapologetically has won you the attention of a lot of really influential people in the world, mm -hmm. celebrities. I mean, the list of people that you talk to on a regular basis is really incredible. People who are coming to you for advice about all kinds of stuff, advice about their relationships or their business. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how, I mean, I know the answer to this, I think, but like, why are these really successful, really influential people trusting you for advice on the most important things in their life? Hmm. I think because I think they can trust what I'm saying It's because I'm not that smart. Meaning I just had a conversation with a girl two nights ago 
she's trying to build a brand. She's a Harvard graduate. Okay. She's brilliant. She's beautiful. She has a strong sense of self. And I think it's because she calls me because she can, she knows I'm going to shoot her straight, but I love her. Hmm. I'm not a competitive person. People say, well, aren't you competitive with yourself? Yeah, kind of. Because I just think that life is not about getting, achieving, being this and get up, girl, and shake up the devil, shake from these shoes when you get up. I mean, all of them <laughs> on Instagram. I love them and they do inspire me. But what inspires me most is seeing people walk in what they are created to do. Hmm. So I met this girl from Harvard five years ago, sitting there doing something in TV. I'm like, this ain't what this girl should be doing. But I didn't tell her that. I just kind of gently, you know, mentioned, saw in her what she didn't even see in herself. And now five years later, she's in her late thirties. And it's like, it's time. I'm like, it is time. It's time. Yeah. She's ready and she's prepared. And I think it's because everybody needs that person in their life to tell them the truth in love. I've had it. And I think that has made me so much more open to allow people to be who they really are around me. Does that make sense? Like it's just one of those things where I want people to, when they're around me, they don't have to change. They don't have to morph. They don't have to censor. They don't have to pretend. Yeah. Cause I'm around a lot of different kinds of people, girl. Lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it has to build a feeling of trust that people can it has to, yeah. tell you things they wouldn't be able to tell other people and, and get true feedback from you. Because you're not scared to tell people the truth. I never give criticisms. Hmm. It, I never have to. People are not confident, Allie. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, I'm telling people how great they are and the things they can't even see. You think the world is walking around with this bravada sense of confidence, and they are not. Even the people that pretend to be, they're highly insecure about why they're why they're here and why they have been created. So when you meet somebody and I can just say, girl, what have you thought of this? You're so talented. I'm I'm speaking into what they already truly know about themselves. There is no yeah. criticism. There is no cut down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's nine times they'll cut themselves down. You don't have to tear people down, honey. They're doing that themselves. Yeah. We tear our own selves down. We don't got any, we don't need anybody else doing that for us. So true. It's true. Um, one thing I remember you saying to me when we first met, because we we got connected because you are working on a book yep. and I'm helping you with that. I remember you saying that you feel pretty confident in most areas of your life. And this was an area where you, as you're sitting down to try to map out this book and you're pretty sure you have an idea and we're working on it and getting it on the paper, but, you know, sort of wrestling with it the way that it takes to get a book down. You were having these moments where you're like, oh, this is an area where you know, I don't feel totally confident that this, yes. this book is, I, it scared me to death, girl. I don't know how y'all do it. So <laughs> talk to me a little bit more about that. I, I think I'd love to hear two parts. One, what made you want to write this book? And then two, how are you fighting through those moments when you feel like maybe this, maybe this isn't even good, or maybe I shouldn't be writing this or whatever it is that's going on in your head? Well, you know, a lot of people have asked me for a book and, and then I watch, the, and I read so many great books. Your book is fantastic. Your story is fantastic. And, you know, and then reading what you wrote and all these other people, I'm like, I can't do this. 
Like <laughs> I can barely talk, much less write. And so for me, you know, that was an insecure moment for me. And that's why I hired you. Because <laughs> I thought, well, she could take what I say and make it sound like at least somewhat, you know, readable. But I've grown so much in writing. And I, I would say this, step out and do things that make you uncomfortable. Now, I have to have you to finish it up and do all that because that, it's not my personal gifting. And I always say, do what you do well and then hire other people or surround yourself with people who do the things you don't do well. Yeah. But I, when I was sitting down writing this one chapter we just added and I decided, you know what, I'm going to just practice what I perform or execute in my business. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to have an idea and then I'm just going to let it flow. Because the best times when I am the most effective or our business is the most effective is when we're not trying. I hate to quote Yoda, but there is no try. I am trying, Allie. It is like I'm giving birth to quadruplets without (laughs) any epidural. I mean, it is. But when I just sit and go, you know what? This is a principle I've lived by what do I mean to say about it? And it just, it just comes through me. Yeah. And and that is my faith. A lot of that has to do with that. But I think that principle works for everybody, whether you're a person of faith or believe in God or not, the principle is still the same. His, his, he, people say that to me all the time. They're like, well, I don't believe in God. I said, well, that's okay, honey. He believes in you. There are a lot of people who are blessed and successful just following those principles, right? I've seen it. And it's because it's truth. You, you can't, we are creative, but not what is inside of us. If we'll just let it come out, it's the most creative thing. We couldn't try enough to be that creative. You know that as a writer. I do. Yeah. That's such a great way to it's say hard. it. It's hard to do though. Cause you feel like I'm being, it's so simple. Yeah. <laughs> it's really simple. And I think the older I'm getting, I'm realizing that why have I been just tearing myself to shreds? Mm. Like just let it go. Let it happen be you just, just let it happen. If they don't want to be around you, they don't want your book, they don't want your clothes or they don't want to hear your Instagram post. Well, then there's somebody out there that will. And it sounds so elementary, but it works. And, and I think, you know, in thinking about that idea of just letting the words kind of flow through you and not really not trying to force them. I think about how this is part of why we do the work that we do at find your voice, because when I'm in the process of working on this proposal document with you, the outline of your book and writing these chapter summaries, we've noticed over and over again that if I try to write the words for an author, mm-hmm. then they don't turn out as powerful and as impactful if you write them yourself. And a lot of companies that do the work that we do would just say, here's the price, you pay us, share your idea with us, and we're going to generate a book for you. And it's simpler and easier that way for sure. But I find that the finished products don't turn out to be as meaningful and as impactful for an end reader because it's not in your voice. It's not in your tone or your words. Or of course, it's simpler for the person who wants a book written. You can just, you know, write a check and get it done. But I really believe that at the end of the day, when, you know, like when you sent that chapter to us after you had worked on it, I just was like, this is why we do the work like this because this is the best chapter in the book so far, you know, and, and it's because it came from your heart and your brain. So, yeah, I think 
the question behind that is, how do you fight through those feelings of like, maybe someone else should do this for me or someone else already wrote this book. That's something I hear from authors a lot. Someone else already wrote this book and they did it better than I could do it. Is it just finding a way to turn off that voice in your brain? Yeah, and, and accepting there's nothing new under the sun. So everybody wants to be this prolific, amazing person that sets the world on fire and discovers. Da, 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 da. And really, if you just go back and look through history with people who have who've really achieved generational change for the world, they were just vessels. Normal people who had a drive and dream. And I think there would be more Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey's, Bill Gates, fill in the blank. Anybody you can think of that have created this, you think they've created this massive world-changing view, but really they were just used. They were just vessels. So I think a lot of people, if they would just let go and be used and be that vessel, that's the fight. That's where you don't make it to the round 12. Mm. That's where a lot of people get knocked out or quit or whatever, is they're trying to create it. When all God is saying is just, I just want to use you, honey. Just, can you please just let me just dump all this down in you and you just do what I need you to do and walk in what I've given you to do. And you can be a world changer. Everybody can be a world changer. Yeah. Everybody. Or you wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, I, I'm serious. And I'm not saying this pie in the sky. People think, Kim, oh, you're just, I'm not, I've seen it. I have seen it with my own two eyes. So good. It's convicting even for me to think about how, you know, I feel like you're toggling back and forth when you have a dream, something you want to see happen in the world or something you're trying to create. You do have to tread that line between this matters so much to me. I'm willing to do anything to make it happen. And then also there's, there's a surrender and, a, and an yeah. allowing, you know, nothing is created in this world. I think of like a friend of mine who just had a baby. I'm like, nothing is created in this world without surrender. There's an element of, I don't have control over how no. this turns out. So an ability to pull that into our process as creative people and as entrepreneurs and whatever it is that we're doing in the world is a really key, a key element to finding. It is simple, but I know it's difficult because it's been difficult for me. It's been difficult to just say, okay, you know, I mean, I've gone through a lot of things and I'm a fighter by nature. So like I have a warrior, you can back me in a corner. We're going to go for me. I mean, I'm a, I will wrestle and gnaw it down verbally to the point of like, you're like, okay, uncle, you can have it, whatever you want, Kim, you know, I can do that. I've done it. And it just doesn't work. You just, if somebody doesn't want you, you that means you're not supposed to be with, with them or working with them or doing whatever with them. But I say this, but if you have this vision and this dream, there's a reason for that. Yeah. That's not accidental. So don't get hung up on who's going to help with the dream and how the dream's going to happen or how the surrender to it and let it come on its own. It will show up to meet you. It's not going to, it's not a big tease. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we always think that it's a tease. It's not. Yeah. Life is not joking you and teasing you. So good. It's really good. 
One of the things that we talk about a lot on this podcast is the power of words to create positive change in the world. And I always like to ask our guests if there is someone out there whose words, whether they're written words in a book or spoken words to you, have had a big impact in your life or have or you've seen it have a oh, big yeah, impact? Oh, yeah, so in the many. World. The book, The Magic of Believing. I remember reading that when I was like 16, 17 years old. Um, and I'm not a reader. So, okay, that was that was a big, you know, <laughs> it was a big sacrifice for me. And or was it then? And it was the way this author spoke about thinking, but it was nothing new to me, which is so exciting now to look back because I remember reading it thinking, oh, I've never thought of it like this. But my grandmother, and I come from a long line of really strong women of purpose. That's a blessing too. Um, But my grandmother was so profound like she would always, her number one saying is like, if nobody's going to encourage you, you just got to encourage yourself. You got to build yourself up. And I think I that. that has probably been the most life-changing, constant saying I always live by. Because people are going to cut you down and people aren't going to get you. And they're going to make fun of you. And they're going to say, you'll never do this. And sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's people that love you. Sometimes it's your own you know, partner or your own parents, but you can't, if you have a dream and you know that it's it's inside of you and you you know that you have that purpose, you have to be able to encourage yourself in it. You cannot depend on other people to validate or love you through it or encourage you through it. They don't have the capacity to do that. They can't even get, they can't even get up, put their own panties on every morning. So, you know, you can't have that expectation, but you can't expect it from mm-hmm. yourself. So I think that is the most profound advice I've ever gotten. So thinking about the words that you want to leave behind, we talk a lot about how people think that a book is written by one person locked in a room, sitting behind their computer. And that's just never the case. It's always a very collaborative effort. So I want to talk a little bit about the process of getting these words down for you and refining them and what that process has been like you and and kind of who's been involved in that process. (laughs) This process has been so, yeah, you talk about collaborative. It, It is collaborative because it's, it's the author's thoughts, but I don't know how to say it in written word all the time like you do. So it's beautiful when someone like you and me get together where you're so amazing at the written word. And I think these things that we're going to talk about in the book are a fresh way to approach your life. I mean, there's parts of my grandmother in this. There's parts of my mother. There's parts of a, a, a nasty lawsuit. I, I could At the time, I wanted to just you know, drop kick this dude, this lawsuit that we have, that he's, he's in the book. He's taught me things, you know, my BFF and business partner. When you say collaborative, I think that is the number one word when it comes to writing or anything for that matter. You can't do everything yourself. You ain't that good. I'm not that good. You know what I'm saying? None of us are that good. Yeah. So I will say, though, if you're going to write a book, the reason I love you and your team is because you're very gentle Hmm. and I'm very bull in a china shop. (laughs) We're both very humble, though, and we're both very wanting the best because to me, a book is its own person. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? It makes tons of sense. It is. It's compared. Writing a book is oftentimes compared to giving birth. It and is. I think that there are a lot of really strong parallels, although I've never given birth before. But well, it hurt quite a bit. But yeah, me. it is. <laughs> <laughs> giving birth, I imagine, is probably worse. <laughs> a worse pain than writing a book. But there is a certain element of laboring mm-hmm. over this thing that you release into the world. And again, there's this aspect of surrender where you don't have total control over what it becomes. You have you have a lot of control but you don't have total control over. Well, and you know what else too? It's a responsibility in my opinion. Like it's a huge responsibility because people who read it sometimes will take this as gospel. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people are so, are looking and searching, especially today for that connection and for me, writing this book, remember we took a pause because I was like, okay, Kim, you're just, you're just like, you're, you're just, you're plowing through this. Like it's no big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's it a is big a big deal. deal. It's a huge responsibility. And to me, but again, going back to our original point, I'm not just trying to do to check things off to get stuff done so I can get a book and I can get out there. I thought, whoa, hold up now. People are going to be reading this and this is going to affect people. Yeah. Whether it's one or 10 million, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I would even add, you said people are looking for that connection. I think people are also looking for a guru. They're looking for someone to kind of tell them how to fix their life. And we could talk for an hour about that. There are good and bad things about that. But I think we do have to be careful when we put our ideas into words and hand them to a person to know that there are going to be a lot of readers out there who take it as gospel and who take it as absolute truth, you know, and I don't think we can take responsibility for every choice they make because of that. But, but we do have to think, I think we have to think carefully before we start, you know, the stronger we stand on a point, I think the more likely a reader is to take it as. Well, and I will say this too, going back to a point I said earlier, that's where you can't have a book, in my opinion, that is critical or saying this is wrong. You're doing this wrong. To me, it has Mm. to be edification. There's never, never any adverse consequences from building people up. Name me one. Yeah. I'm going to be challenged. And I would challenge that to anybody. When you are speaking life and love and truth into people, there's never, I I have no problem. I would stand with anyone toe to toe. Let's go. When I say you have a strong purpose in your life, now, I can kind of help you kind of figure it out based on what I've tried to do in my life, but that I do know. I think this is an important part of that. I've heard you say that what you're not saying, I guess, is what I'm getting at is that to ignore bad behavior or anything like that. Because I've heard you say that you've told people to their face, like, you're better than yes. this. Why are you acting like this? You know, but it's just a different way of framing the criticism rather than like, how could you, how dare you? It's like, you're better than this. Pick your head up, you know, and look around and notice that you don't have to, you don't have to like stoop to these low level tactics because you're, you're better than that. Every human. I don't care what any human has ever done. And it's hard to say that. It's really hard. And, you know, I did prison ministry for a long time and it, it was, it was some, some tight, you know, some, some really bad dudes that we would go and these three women, middle-aged women, I'm like, how did we get here? I do not know. And it hit me, Allie. I said, oh my Lord, this is someone's son, father, Mm. husband, father. These men have such worth. 
it's like it came to me. People would just, everybody has such massive worth. I get teary eyed thinking about it. I do. I really do. The lowest of the low to the highest of the high, it doesn't matter. And so when you look Mm -hmm. at people, and I prayed about that when I was young, I I said, God, let me see people the way you see them. And be careful what you pray for because you really will. (laughs) Sometimes you don't (laughs) want to. You just want to stick it to them, you know, because I'm human. We're all human. I got a basketball coach right now. I just want to stick it to him. (laughs) Everybody has value. So that's why I love our book, because I think it's going to encourage in a funny, you know, comical and kind of, you know, I don't want to say preachy, but at least it's like, hey, girl, tell it like it is kind of way. And some people like it. Some people won't. But they can't say it's not edifying. So good. Last question. If you had to boil down the message of your life into a couple of sentences, what would you say that is? Wow. Allie, why do you get so deep, girl? In a couple of sentences. I, I, I could just say faith, family, and forever. That's what I live for. I'm going to start crying. I live for my faith. I'm so thankful that I have faith. A lot of people don't have it, girl. But it's such a gift. Faith is yeah. a gift. And if you don't have it, I implore you, just just give it a try. And my family, we're so blessed to have family and friends. And f- friends are family to me. So that, that goes in that category. And forever, I know that I am affecting somebody's forever just with my little bit of time here on earth. So if I can do that, then, I, yep. you know, it could all end tomorrow and I'm good. Hmm, that's beautiful. And so when you know that that what you're doing is lasting, and that the only things that really last is love and faith and you know believing and loving people, yeah. then you're okay with your forever because you 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 know you, you've done your part. It's really beautiful. Thank you so much, Kim, for sharing your wisdom and your words with us today. We're really grateful. Well, you know I love you, girl. You are amazing. I'm just going to say, I'm going to toot your horn. This girl is the most amazing human being (laughs) and writer I've ever met. (laughs) Thank you, Kim. You're so kind. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.